that you love us and that I can say with confidence that I am the object of your affection. And every woman, every man, every young person, every less young person can have the same confidence and know that they are deliberately on purpose, not in some generic way, but in a very specific way, they are loved. And because of that, we ought to love you. So Lord, you know I'm not perfect. Father, you know that I'm flawed. But thank you for loving me. And I love you. So thankful to be your child. Would you bless this part of our service now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles while you're standing. Find two places. First of all, find Numbers chapter 32. Numbers chapter 32. It's already been stated and stated well and in different ways. Guest, we're glad that you're here. It is an honor to have you with us. And whether it's your first time or you've been here many times, thank you for being in the service with us. And our desire is that you would know God said something to you today. Um, and then, um, as a reminder to everyone, next Sunday is Food Truck Friend Day. I don't know how fine the delicacies will be, but it will be good. <laughs> And we'll have a good time. So the idea is invite people that norm, don't normally come to church, neighbors, coworkers, and say, hey, we have food trucks being set up in our parking lot. And as soon as the morning service is over, we're going to go out there and I'll buy your food. And then buy them food. And then we'll eat it out in the parking lot, some people inside. And then we'll come right back in and we'll have church again. It's going to be a good day. So be praying for it. Be working on it. But... In preparation for that day, we're going to be preaching out of the same text. So after you've found Numbers 32, find Joshua 22. And I, as I was preparing for this message, there, were, there are two things that are of, I am equally as passionate about out of this text. And I wanted to combine them. But I know I already preached a long time. And some of you are like, yes, yes, you do. And I'm like, well, I, I can't preach until one. I mean, I'll even get tired of that. So just begin to just studying and trying to seek the Lord about it and believe that it's of God and just Him ordering it so that on friend day, we're going to have a great message from this text. Uh, I hope it'll be great. Sorry. There's a great truth there. Whether it's delivered well or not, I don't know. That remains to be seen. But a truth that is so encouraging. So today, I want to deal with the what. And next Sunday, the Lord willing, I want to deal with the why. So I want to deal with the what today. And then next Sunday, the Lord willing, the Lord willing with his help, deal with the why. So the, the title is this. One word. Finish. Finish. Joshua 22, verse 1. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you and have obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren as he promised them. Therefore now return ye and get you unto your tents and unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side, Jordan, back on the east side of Jordan. But take diligent heed to do the commandment of the, and the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you to love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and to cleave unto him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Joshua blessed them 
and sent them away, and they were sent unto their tents. The thought is simple. Finish. I want you to think about this. Maybe I'll reference this at the end if the Lord reminds me. Jesus finished his work of redemption on the cross. It is finished. And his commitment to finishing ought to be the example by which we live our life. Finish. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Standing. At this time, Andrea will sing. What's the name of the song? Paid in full. Aren't you glad it is? And so let's let the song minister and then we'll get to the message. Just remember that the debt for your sin is paid in full. See his children torn between two ways. Some still choose to mock his name. See as they can boldly say, we are the reason that he came. See the ones who trust themselves alone to do what only Christ can do. so thankful for it. He doesn't make payments on it. He paid for it. 
and you have the ability to live in that freedom. It's wonderful. And also this, I had this thought as well, is that we, we rejoice over the freedom that we have in Christ, but then we don't want to let others live in that freedom. And yeah, he didn't just pay it for you. He paid it for everyone who's willing to receive it. And this needs to be a place where people can come and live in the victory over their past. And where people find the grace and the help of God every day, every week. And we, and we allow people to experience that blessing. That is, that's so good. So thankful for it and appreciate that song. Well, Joshua uh, chapter 22. I, so the word finish is a word that's used in football. And um, I, I love giving physical demonstrations. But I love myself too much to do this one. I thought Brother Fievi played football in high school. And, and there's a term that he would be familiar with, and he's heard coaches yell this because he played, he played on defense, and that's when you tackle, you got to finish the tackle. And, and what that means is you put all of your strength into driving your enemy into the ground. And they are your enemy because they want to beat you. <laughs> you wrap them up and you finish. And so I thought about having Brother Vi come up and demonstrate how to finish the tackle. But then he would have to finish the message and all sorts of things would, and I'm not, I didn't mean that to make fun of him. I know that's how that came out. That's not, that's not what I meant about that, but it just wouldn't be good. I like my body, but finish. And you, you hear things, you hear, you hear people say, I should, I shouldn't say I like my body. I like not being in pain all the time. Sorry. But you hear, you hear when, you're, when you're watching football, and, and you've seen this. I mean, uh, we, we are OU fans. Um, yeah, and, and it's been a rough couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's been rough. It's okay. And we're, we're watching the game. The boys and I are watching the game. I think Ashlyn and Addie came in and out and just were disgusted and decided to go paint their nails or something. But, but like, their, their defense is a, is a wet paper bag. They can't stop anybody. It's, it's embarrassing. And we, and we watched we watch this it, it, several times. The, the players that they're playing against, they're just running through tackles because they're not finishing the tackle. It's almost like they're playing touch instead of understanding. You've got to wrap this person up, and you've got to drive into them until they're on the ground. Don't just go. You're, you're not successful because you started it. No, it's good that you started it. But that's not why you're successful. You're successful because you're willing to stay at it until you finish it. No, it's good that you started, but there has to be a willingness and a commitment to understanding I have to finish this. Finish the tackle. And there, there are other things that, that we could talk about, other illustrations that we, we could give. But we live in a culture today, and, I, and I'll reference this again. But we live in a culture today that not only allows for, but is even fostering and encouraging living lives where we're not finishing things that matter. We, we encourage it. We, we, we encourage on a regular basis, just in the way that we're raising our kids. Well, if you don't like something, just quit. And, and we make it, we make it, we are making it easy on our children, we make it easy in, in our, our social structures. We make it easier to quit and we encourage quitting rather more than we encourage finishing. I've told you this story before. I, I, I understand there's parts of it and you say, well, he, he was on the wrong side of history in, in certain aspects and I agree with that. But I love this man's commitment to finishing and I love the demonstration of his loyalty and I'm not pronouncing his name correctly, so forgive me. But in March 19th, or excuse me, in, in, in August of um, the 1944, somewhere around 1943, 1944, there was a Japanese soldier that was sent out on a specific mission in, who was an intelligence officer by the name of Haru Onoda. And he was told that he was supposed to go there and he was supposed to continue to work in some type of guerrilla warfare and send back information or gather information for the Japanese army. Well, when World War II ended 
1945, he spent 29 years hiding in the Philippines. And they sent, over the course of those decades, they sent all kinds of flyers and information to try to inform him that the war is over and you don't have to be here. But it wasn't until, they weren't able to convince him to come out, and it wasn't until he would, they, they found his, his immediate superior officer, and I believe in the 1970s they were able to take that officer, go into the Philippine jungle and find this guy, and then the officer was officially able to relieve him of his duty. I, you say, well, there's things about that we don't agree with. Yeah, I get that, but don't miss the point. That man had a mission, and he was committed to the mission no matter how long it took. He wanted, he was driven by this desire, I am going to finish what I know I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to finish what I know, what I believe is supposed to be right. God wants to produce in us the faith of Jesus Christ, this desire that we would finish what he gives us to do in our lives. Now, please get it, and and don't ever misinterpret this. We're only saved by faith. You're not saved by your faithfulness. You are not saved by your faithfulness. You're not perfect enough. You're not faithful enough. We've all come sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all fall short in some areas. And even after we're saved, man, we still mess up and we do things wrong. You're not saved because you're faithful. You're saved, hallelujah, because he's faithful bask in that rejoice in that that he's the one that saves you and as we sung this morning he's the one that keeps you clean you're not saved because you're faithful you're saved because he is faithful and he saved you and he keeps you saved and he forgives you and he advocates for you and his righteousness is attributed to your account you're saved because of his faithfulness but your faith in him your salvation should produce an effort to be faithful in this life, like he's faithful to you. You know what I'm thankful for that we can have confidence in? Jesus isn't going to hang us out to dry. No, you're not going to stand before God and he'd say, no, I, I told you that whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life, but I decided to renege on that promise with you. No, you're not going to find that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be careless. I want you to think about this. You can have full confidence in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Well, his faithfulness to your faith ought to produce faithfulness from you as well. And we ought to be counter to the culture and that we are not people who easily quit, who give up, but we are people who, like a coach, imploring his, imploring his team to finish the play, to play until the whistle, to go all the way through until the play is blown dead. We ought to be people who want to live our lives finishing what God has given us. Let's consider the background for a moment. Go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 32. Don't lose your place in Joshua 22. But in in Numbers 32, we find this, the children of Israel are preparing to enter the promised land. Moses is still alive. He's they, they finished the wanderings in the wilderness. He's giving final instructions. And then we're going to transition into the book of Deuteronomy after Numbers. And, and he gives them kind of like the, his, final, his final speech before God takes him up into the mountains and he dies. And so they're getting things in order to go into the promised land. In the land to the east of the Jordan River, we've shown a map several times. And if you'll remember, you have the Jordan River going up. And all but two and a half of the tribes inherit on the western side of the Jordan. But on the eastern side, you have Reuben, you have Gad, and then you have half the tribe of Manasseh. Well, that side of the Jordan, according to the testimony of the Reubenites and Gad, it was good for cattle and for grazing. And so as they're preparing to enter the promised land, the representatives from these tribes, they come and say, I know that our nation is going to inherit the the western side of beyond Jordan, but can we we inhabit on this side, directly east of the Jordan River and to the north and to the south along the banks of the Jordan? Can we inhabit this land? Look in verse number 1 of chapter 32, the children of Reuben. And the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the the land of Gilead, that behold, the place 
was a place for cattle. Then they go into Moses, and in verse uh, 5, they say, Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And so they, they want to stay on the east side. Now, it's going to be, they, they've already had battles on that side, and they've already cleared out the enemies and had victories on that side. But, and so they're wanting to inhabit on that side. But when they cross Jordan, they're immediately going to encounter enemies. And as you remember, obstacles, opposition, opposing forces, the first of which would be Jericho and then many others after that. And so they're wanting to inhabit the land on the east side of Jordan. But there's still land, the majority of the land on the west side of Jordan where the battles haven't been fought, the land still needs to be possessed. And they're asking, can we inhabit this land that is on the eastern side? Now when Moses hears that, he is understandably angry. And his assumption is that they are trying, they're, they're not primarily thinking about the benefit of this land to their livelihood. They're, his assumption is that they are trying to avoid having to fight anymore and they don't want to have to work anymore and they want to be here on this side of the Jordan and take it easy while the rest of the nation has to go and fight these battles and so they get their land but, the, and, but they don't contribute to everyone else getting their land the way that everyone else contributed to getting their land. Because everyone fought the battles for the east side of Jordan, but they're wanting to just stay on the east side and then let everyone else go in on the west side and fight that battle. And so he was angry about it. Look at verse 6. Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? It's like you give your children chores to do and you see a couple of them working and then you see a couple others sitting there doing nothing, working on a Rubik's Cube or watching, looking at a book. They suddenly, it's amazing how much kids want to read when you tell them that they have to do chores. Like, why don't you go read? I'd rather play Xbox. Why don't you take out the trash? I'll read. <laughs> suddenly become concerned about our education and so Moses is, he's looking at them saying, this is, you're just trying to avoid having to do for your fellow brothers and sisters what they did for you. And then he makes this point in verse 7, wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. And then he reminds them, you say, why would, why would Moses think that? Well, you read, we won't, but you read from verse 8 down through verse 19, and he recounts the recent history of the nation, how that there were some who didn't want to go in, and they discouraged the faith of the entire nation. And so his concerns are not unwarranted. They are founded in the recent experience of the nation. And he's saying, you're going to be a discouragement to the faith and the progress of your own brothers and sisters. And then this is where it gets amazing. You go down to verse number 16. They're not, by the way, they weren't offended that Moses questioned them. Just thank the Lord for his truth. When you're right with God and you're trying to follow God, you're not going to get offended that a spiritual leader in your life has questions about the direction that you're going. Because Moses was looking out for their good. And recent experience in his own life told him there are dangers here. It's maturity that says, hey, it's okay if, I, it's okay if my wife has some questions about this direction. It's okay if my husband has some questions about this direction. It's okay if my pastor offers a perspective that might be a little bit different because of things that he's helped people through before. And I don't need to be offended by that. I love it in verse 16. They weren't offended. They come near unto him and said, we will build. Notice the sheepfolds here for our cattle, cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto the, their place. Our little ones and our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on yonder side, Jordan, or forward, because our inheritance is fallen to us on this side, Jordan, eastward. Their point is not that we want to avoid helping our brothers and sisters. The point is we believe that this section of the land is what's best for us. But we're going to make sure that our families are taken care of. But then those who, are, those who are within the age limit that God established for war, those who are capable of war, we are all coming over with you and we are going to stay with the rest of the nation and fight with the rest of the nation until everyone 
like us, has received their inheritance in the land. We're not expecting that you go fight your own battles after having helped us get our land. No, we're going to go with you, and we're going to fight with you, and we're going to remain with you until, like us, you receive your inheritance as well. So then down in verse number 20, Moses said unto them, If you will do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then what's the next word? Afterward ye shall return, and be guiltless before the Lord. You can turn back to Joshua 22. You know what he was saying? If you'll come over and finish, then you'll be right with God. So then we get, then we get to Joshua chapter 22. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. Ye have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Okay, you, you won't know this just by simply reading the verse and then moving on. Many days is more than just a couple of weeks. Many days is more than just a couple of months. By every estimate that I could find by people who've studied it out, it was a minimum of seven years. Probably, probably more, at least in weeks and months. But they didn't just go in and subdue this land just like that. It was one battle. Then it was another battle. There were some defeats along the way. There were some hard lessons that had to be learned along the way. There were some challenges along the way. But the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they remained faithful according to the testimony of Joshua, their leader, before God. They were guiltless, as Moses said they would be, that they remained with the wet nation on the western side of the Jordan until that land had been subdued and they had opportunity, their brothers and sisters had opportunity to inherit the land, to inhabit the land as they were inhabiting it on the east side of Jordan. They stayed with them until the task was finished. Now I say seven years and here's what can pop up into somebody's mind. That's unreasonable. That's hard. I just want to encourage you with this. Faithfulness isn't easy. But just because something is hard doesn't mean it's not right. And this is what we've done in our culture today. The, the standard by which we measure, measure rightness is whether or not it's easy. And there is so little in the Christian life that is going to be easy in the way that we define it. And we, and we allow the expectation of culture, we allow our own level of comfort to determine the degree to which we ought to be faithful. But based on the example of the, Reub, of the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the tribe of Manasseh, that to be faithful means to finish. And we need, we need to not settle for a faith that doesn't produce finishing in our lives. We need to desire a faith from Christ and his transforming power in our lives that produces a willingness not just to start the things that are right, but to stay with them until they are finished. Here's the statement. Faithfulness produces finishing. You say, well, I don't, I can think of times when I haven't finished, but I still, I'm still trying to be faithful. No, he is always faithful. But faithfulness produces finishing. It's in the Bible. We don't get to change the meaning of words because it makes us uncomfortable with where we're at in our lives. Faithfulness produces finishing. Now, let me give a clarification. And you need to be okay with this. There are scenarios 
and because I don't want to beat around the bush here and I don't want to leave things to your imagination, there are some situations where it's impossible for one person to finish something because of what another person has done. That is a true statement. And there are different areas where you can say, well, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't think that's the case. No, I'm telling you, there are people who want their marriage to have worked, but another person made it impossible for their marriage to work. No, I'm not, listen, I don't want anybody celebrating that. And anybody that's been through that kind of tragedy, anybody that's been remarried, you need to get this. Nobody at this church is against you. We are for the work of God's grace in every single person's life. And we believe that he can do that. But I know this by experience. When you're dealing with something as sensitive as a marriage relationship, you can have one person that is committed to following Jesus Christ and another person that wants nothing to do with following God. And eventually it becomes impossible because one person's going one direction and one person's going another direction. And when I'm preaching about this, all of you need to have the maturity to recognize there are scenarios in which it involves more than one person. You say, well, what do you do in those situations? You love people where they're at. Man, I'm not getting enough out of that. You love people where they're at. And if anyone, look, I've been accused of this, and I'm not, I'm not mad about this, I'm just telling you. I've had people throw things out there on the internet about me. I've had people post stuff on our website. I've had people send me emails and say, you sanction stuff. You don't know what I sanction. Here's what I sanction. I sanction confronting people where they're at with the grace of truth, the grace and truth of Jesus Christ, and trying to help them from that moment forward to honor God with their lives. That's in the Bible. Okay, so I understand there are scenarios. I understand there are scenarios where you can be faithful and one person isn't, and that affects things. By the way, that doesn't change that that person was faithful. That is right. No, it is right. It doesn't change that that person was, was faithful. Okay, so I've gotten that out of the way. Everybody good? Mad, nervous, irritated, I don't know. Don't miss the rest of this. It's helpful. Hey, here's the truth. It's hard to be faithful. If marriage has only lasted because it was easy, I mean, my wife's pretty amazing. But it's not always easy. <laughs> I'm, I, I hope you're okay that I'm enjoying this by myself and you're not. <laughs> like, y'all are so tense you don't know what to do. I'm just telling you, marriage is not always easy. Man, I've got, I've, got four, I've got four teenagers in the youth department. That's not all the kids I have. I have one that's in college. I have three that are back in kids' church. Yes, I have eight kids. I'm irresponsible. <laughs> and yet none of them are adopted. Yep, they're all mine. And yes, my wife and I were the only spouse of each other. They are legitimately all ours. I was asked one time when I was stopped by a cop for other reasons. <laughs> he was walking around my vehicle, and he was like, are all these yours? I mean, besides the one we picked up? I mean, yes. <laughs> oh, they're, they're all mine. Can I, can I give testimony? Raising kids isn't easy. No, and, then, and then watching your children after they leave the authority of your home, sometimes that can be very challenging. Being faithful in a church isn't always easy. Overcoming flaws in your life or in the lives of others isn't always going to be easy. And, and here's some reasons why it's not easy. It's not easy because faithfulness can take a long time. And sometimes I hear people going through trials ask this question, how long am I going to hurt? And honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. Sometimes there's, there's not an expiration date on when the pain ceases. Sometimes there are things that only God in heaven knows, and you have to be willing to be faithful as you work through, even with the hurt and the discomfort in your life. 
Sometimes being faithful can take you far from your comfort zone. I love the picture that we have here. Their home was on this side, but then they were stretched to cross the Jordan and to be on this side for a while. I love this. In your faith, Jesus is going to stretch you outside of your comfort zone. No, it's not always fun. It's not always pleasant. But faithfulness requires that we be willing to step outside of the, of the little zone that we've defined for the Lord. I know, I don't think any of you would be foolishness, foolish enough to say this, but we, we can think like this at times. We can know, look, God, these are my parameters and this is where I'm comfortable. And as long as you don't call my children to this or ever ask me to do this, and as long as I can serve you under these parameters, then we'll be good. You know what God does with your parameters? Whatever he wants. Because he's God. And he doesn't allow you to determine the measure of your faithfulness. And that doesn't mean he causes every difficulty, but he still expects you to be faithful to him even when you're being stretched. And being faithful can require a sacrifice of what it is that you love. And you think about over the course of seven years, and I believe there was, there was preparation made on their part. There, there were age limits to the number of men or to the men who went to war. So there were men that were left to still defend. They made provision by building the facilities so that their families would be protected. And then I believe that, listen, if God can protect his children in the wilderness, through the Red Sea, give them fire by day, and a, or a fire by night, and a pillar of cloud by day, if he can watch over them and provide for them, then he could watch over their families and their little ones while they were separate, separated from them on the east side of Jordan. But don't you know they miss their families? Those of you who have ever experienced being deployed, being stationed, you know what it is to give yourself to a cause that causes you to be separated from those things, those people specifically that you love most in your life. And yet being faithful sometimes requires that we be willing to sacrifice things that we wish we could do more with or have more with in order to be invested in the things that matter most to God. Faithfulness isn't easy, but it is right it doesn't matter how long, it doesn't matter how far, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable, it doesn't matter what we have to sacrifice, faithfulness produces finishing. But we justify not finishing, we justify quitting because of the sacrifice. Some people justify not finishing because of the flaws of others or because of their own failures. And rather than examining themselves, and listen, I've, I've made the case, and I'll just, I'll just talk about marriage again. I'm not ashamed. I am not ashamed of what I said a few minutes ago. This is going to be a place where people have help and grace and hope for their future. You're like, well, I, I just don't like that situation. Well, one, you don't know everything that's going on in that situation. And number two, instead of being a hindrance to what God can do in their life from here on out, why don't you be on board with trying to help what God can do from here on out? I do not regret anything I made in that statement. But let me talk to you where you're at right now. If you are married, your desire needs to be to love your spouse the way that Jesus loves you. You say, well, they're not perfect. Right. And Jesus only loved you when you were perfect. Jesus only died for you. Just It was out of a token display. It wasn't because you were a broken sinner that could not save yourself. He just died for you to basically show off how awesome he was. No, he died for you because you're a sinner and you're lost and you couldn't save yourself. And he loves you even at your most unlovable and so if you have the ability to love your spouse, which you do by the grace of God, even when they're not perfect, you can love them like Jesus Christ does. You say, well, I wasn't given a choice in it. I understand that that happens. You can still be characterized by love and not by bitterness. Absolutely. Faithfulness finishes. So let me give you some, let me give you some examples here. Number one, you may have failed. This morning, just be honest with me. Can you think of anything? Don't say amen, just nod your head or maybe slightly blink. <laughs> Can you think of anything right now where you failed at? Think of it. Now, I'm not just talking about in a generic way. Can you think of something specific? No, I've got two instances on my mind. 
from this past week. Something specific that I've had to that I've had to look someone in the face and apologize for. Can you think of how you failed? You know what happens when we fail? We get discouraged because we buy the lie that because we're not perfect, God's not going to use us. And nothing could be further from the truth. God doesn't use any of us because we're perfect. Now look at the people in the Bible who he used. Look at the lineage of Jesus Christ, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. It's filled with imperfect, flawed people. And so you say, I look back on this chapter, and by the way, isn't it great that it's only a chapter and it doesn't have to be your whole story? I look back on this chapter of my life, and there's failure, and there are things that I regret, and there are things that I wish I could do over, and there's truth that I know now that I wish I knew then. And you can't change any of that. But what you can do is live in the presence of God's grace now and you can say I'm not going to let this failure define me I'm going to get up again I'm going to try again and we teach our children this and we, we coach them in this we lead them in this no if at first you don't succeed try again well I've tried like 800 times it feels like well Jesus death is sufficient enough to help you try one more time And if he'll forgive you for the failure, then it warrants you getting back up and trying again. I don't care what it is, whether it's your attitude, whether it's with a vice, whether it's with a good habit that you're struggling to make a part of your life, whether it's a way that you want to respond to a certain situation that you keep messing up, whether it's something in the closet of your past that still causes you to be afraid and to have regrets. I don't know what it is, and I don't care what it is in this sense that no failure should be a permanent hindrance to you getting up and following God. Don't live in the shadows of your defeat. Stand up again. And I want West Valley, Brother Patrick, I want West Valley to be a place where people who have fallen and felt the brokenness of those falls to be able to find their footing here and begin to move forward for God. Don't let your failure prevent you from finishing. Say, God, I'm ashamed of myself. This is another lie we tell ourselves. I'm still talking about failure. This is another way that we lie to ourselves. I'm ashamed of what I did or what I was. Can I tell you, Jesus isn't ashamed of you. No, you need to hear it that Jesus isn't hiding his face because he paid the price. No, it's sufficient. It's done. He's fully paid the price, and he's not ashamed of you. He may not be happy with what happened, but he's not ashamed of you. And by his grace, oh man, just like he took Peter when Peter had denied him, when Peter was embarrassed about Jesus, Jesus wasn't embarrassed by Peter. Raised him up. You need to get back up. You need to not give up. You need to get up. Another thing, You may have been hurt. You may have failed, but you may have been hurt by someone else's failures. Heal. And then get back in the game. Maybe someone in your family hurt you. Heal. But then get back in the game. Some of you are going to think I mean something very specific by this. But you just need to know we have a lot of people coming from a lot of different places. And I have said publicly, and I'm not ashamed of this, I want West Valley to be a place where hurting people can come. And some of you have been coming here for a long time, and, you've, and you recently have been experiencing the helping, healing of God's grace through the life of this church. And some of you are coming from churches where there has been hurt. And and listen, whatever we need to talk about, we can talk about. I just want to encourage you with this. And I've had this conversation in my four years pastoring here. I've had this conversation multiple times. Just because it was that way there doesn't mean it has to be that way here. And just because you were hurting from something that happened over there, wherever over there was, doesn't mean that you can't find healing here. And just because it seems like things didn't end well there, doesn't mean they can't end well here. 
What am I saying? I'm not saying you can just automatically turn off the hurt. But what I am saying is that you don't have to give up on a God working in your life through the life of a local church. He's not finished with you. And he has a purpose for you. And he can use you. And if you determine that this is the place that he wants you to be, then get in and let that process happen in your life. Finish. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Maybe you're being stretched beyond what's comfortable. There's a rumor floating around that if I find out you're not comfortable doing something, then I'm going to make you do it. Most don't. (laughs) Well, there may be some truth to that. Maybe there's a lot of truth to that. But being a disciple doesn't mean we always get to be comfortable. Being a disciple sometimes means we got to do things that, and this wasn't easy. I just want to encourage you with this. When you're faced with doing something that's not easy, remember what Jesus did for you and how that wasn't easy. Last thing, you may not be seeing the results that you want. Man, we we got families here praying for children. You know what I'm talking about, right? We got people here praying for spouses. We got people here praying for whoever. Put, it, put a name to it. Put your name to it. Fill in the blank. People here in, trying to invest in. People here trying to pour their life into. You know what the reality is? Sometimes we don't see the results that we want. But aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't quit investing in you? when it wasn't producing everything that it should have been? Aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't give up on you? Can I encourage you with this? Don't quit investing in people. What am I saying? Don't quit. Faithfulness produces finishing. Well, I don't know when I'm finished. Okay, thank you for asking. I could tell you were curious. Here's how you know you're done. You ready? Sure-proof way to know you're done when you're in heaven. You know where Jesus is? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. His, His work was finished. He knew. You know what else? You'll also know you're done with specific tasks. But then there are things that are are part of the Christian journey that are supposed to be a lifelong process. And praying for my children and investing in them doesn't take place from zero to 18. It's for as long as they and I have life. You say, well, things aren't going well. Yeah, but don't quit. Don't quit. Loving people is a lifelong process. Well, not everybody wants it, and I've been hurt. Yep, you're going to get hurt. I've had this conversation recently with people. If you're serious about investing in others for the cause of Jesus Christ, you are going to feel pain. And there's nothing that I or anyone else can do to protect you from that. If you, if you actually want to invest people at a, Christ, at a Christ-like level, you are going to get hurt. What are you going to do? You're going to quit? Jesus doesn't. You say, well, they don't want it, but I can love somebody else. I can invest in somebody else. I can try again. And it's, this is helpful. Say, how long do we got to keep doing this church thing? Well, since it's his idea... I would say we do it until he says that's not the thing to do anymore. Well, when's he going to do that? You'll know. (laughs) Faithfulness produces finishing. You physically sick today? Like I just, my life's uncertain right now. Be faithful with what you can control. Faithful produces finishing. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Can I use a football analogy again? With every head bowed and every eye closed, what tackles are you not finishing in your life? What are, what are you struggling to stay in the game with? What are, you, what are you struggling to not quit? What are you struggling to not give up on? I am so thankful that Jesus doesn't quit on us. I'm so thankful that what he starts, he finishes on behalf of every one of his children. 
And I'm not, this morning, I'm not asking you if there are things that you wish you had handled differently. I, th- that would probably, I, I think it's safe to say, I know it's safe to say of me, I think that would probably be true of all of us. What I'm asking you is are there things currently that you're struggling to stay in the fight with, to stay in the game with? That because of your own failure, because of how you've been hurt by someone else, because of the lack of productiveness, because of the lack of fruitfulness, you just feel like, man, I, I, I've been through this, I've messed up, or I, I hate what I've had to go through because of other people, but I just, I want God's help, and I need God's help because I'm struggling. I need God's help to help me finish, and that my faith in Christ would produce finishing in my life and that there wouldn't be an expiration date on my commitment to his church. There wouldn't be an expiration date on my commitment to being in his word and prayer. There wouldn't be an expiration date on my commitment to learning of him and being like him and loving and investing in. There wouldn't be an expiration date on those things. As long as I have life, I will, I will pursue until it's finished. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would there be anyone who would raise their hand and say, I am struggling with that and I need God's help and I want to be a man or a woman of faith whose faith produces finishing in my life. But I know it's hard and I need God's help. Would you pray for me? Yep, I see them all over the place. God bless you for your honesty. So if God spoke to you this morning, maybe it was just an encouragement. You say, this is how I live my life, but man, I know I can get weary in it. I'm just thankful for the example of people who worked for seven years until the task was done. Maybe God convicted you. Maybe you felt helpless. And then you heard this message and you realized, I have to, I cannot make an excuse for not finishing what I know he's given me to do. Then respond to him. If he's spoken to you, respond to him. Let's all stand together as Brother Nate begins to sing. If God has spoken to your heart while he sings, use the altar this morning if God took the time to talk to you you take the time to talk to him take